I trust that all of you have had a happy Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, I know we did. Uh, I have especially enjoyed uh, getting together with my family uh, this Thanksgiving as uh, many in my family have uh, endured some very critical illnesses over the year, and it just makes it all the more special to be, to be able to be together uh, with family. But uh, it hasn't always been that way with my family, and I'm sure with yours as well, that uh, just like most families, we all have had our share of conflicts over the years. But I'm so thankful that God in his mercy has used those conflicts uh, in my own life to lead me to Christ and many of my family members to Christ uh, so that we do enjoy being with each other. And that's what I want to address with you this morning from God's Word is to encourage us uh, to, uh, to reconcile relationships, uh, particularly in our families and in our churches. Please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the very last chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. This will be our text this morning. It's the story about how God sovereignly used Joseph's abuse by his brothers to help him experience Christ's redemption in a deeper way and pass on that redemption to so many others throughout his life and for generations to come. This story is very personal to me as it parallels my own story. I will share with you some painful experience I had in my family that led to my being sent to an orphanage when I was very young. But yet, like Joseph, God used those painful experiences to lead me to a personal relationship with Christ that radically changed my life and eventually led me into pastoral ministry. Even though most of you perhaps grew up in a more stable and loving family, I assume that some of you also come from broken homes where you have experienced abuse or neglect. Or perhaps you have experienced abuse in your workplace or even in the church. I believe this sermon is very fitting for how we work through some of those relational conflicts that we face in any church. My prayer is that all of us will apply these principles in the way that we relate to one another so that the world around us will see the transforming power of the gospel, how we respond to the hardships that we face in the past shapes how we will respond to conflicts now and in the future. Joseph endured painful abuse as a young man at the hands of his family members, his slave master, and even in prison. His own brothers hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. They sold him into slavery in Egypt, where he was falsely accused by his master and thrown into prison. The contrast between how Joseph and his brothers responded to their painful trials 
points us to the healing redemption that we can experience through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that will transform how we relate to and influence others. Joseph's brothers responded with bitterness that led to spiritual enslavement, whereas Joseph responded with forgiveness that led to freedom for him, his brothers, and so many others for generations to come. So we pick up the story years later when Joseph was second in charge to Pharaoh in Egypt and had the power to get revenge on his brothers for their abuse to him. But notice how he responded to his brothers in our passage this morning. I understand that it's uh, your tradition to stand for the reading of God's Word, so I'd ask you if you would stand as as I read uh, from Genesis chapter 50, beginning with verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. May God bless the authoritative word that he has given us. Please be seated. This passage exposes how the bitterness of Joseph's brothers led to their own spiritual and emotional enslavement and inflicted great pain on others. Whereas Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers freed him to fulfill God's purpose for his life and blessed his family and so many others to live a fulfilling life. I want you to notice, first of all, how bitterness leads to enslavement. Joseph's brothers hated Joseph because he was their father's favorite. Joseph was wrong to show such favoritism. And Joseph was not entirely innocent as he flaunted his ornamental coat that his father had given him. He tattled on his brothers uh, to gain more approval from his father and gloated over dreams he had that his family would bow down to him. Their bitterness could have very well been projected onto Joseph because they felt so unloved by their father. But whatever the cause of their bitterness... Bitterness is usually our reaction to being hurt 
are treated unjustly by others, and most often by those who are supposed to love and care for us. Often it is our attempt to get back at those who hurt us. But when we allow bitterness to grow, it hurts us as much as the ones we are trying to get revenge on. Notice how the bitterness of Joseph's brothers certainly hurt Joseph and their father. Their hatred of Joseph turned into malicious conspiring with each other to actually kill him. They ended up selling him into slavery and bringing great emotional pain to their father by lying to him that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. Yet they were just as miserable by being enslaved by their own guilt and fear for years. Their guilt, fear, and hatred led to other immoral and destructive patterns throughout their lives. By the time their father died, you could see how much they had been paralyzed by fear their whole lives because of their guilt and shame. Notice verse 15 again in your text. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? Can you see the guilt and fear that paralyzed them? I can identify with the effects of that kind of bitterness for a good part of my own life. My mom died when I was just two years old, leaving my dad to raise nine children of his own, uh, on his own. Rather than turn to the Lord in his grief, he turned to alcohol abuse and quickly re- remarried an emotionally unstable woman that he met in a bar. Their relationship resulted in much verbal abuse, infidelity, and physical violence. By the time I was 10 years old, my dad had lost our home, our farm, and his family. I was taken to an orphanage in the upstate called Thornwell Children's Home. Perhaps many of you have heard of it. With three of my siblings, I felt abandoned and focused my bitterness on my stepmother for ruining my life and our family. At first, my bitterness expressed itself in subdued hatred that made me withdraw in insecurity and shyness. I resolved never to abuse alcohol like my dad. But by my junior year in high school, I found that I had no power to resist temptation. And my bitterness began acting out in rebellion, alcohol abuse, and immorality. To my dismay, I realized that I was becoming the very thing that I hated about my dad and stepmom. And I had no power to stop it on my own. How do you respond to people who have hurt you? Sometimes our bitterness is subdued and we withdraw from relationships with people who hurt us. Sometimes it's expressed in self-righteous indignation by thinking that we're better than them. Sometimes we get even 
uh, or we, we try to get even by being more aggressive, by tearing them down with our words or gossiping about them to ruin their reputation or even inflicting emotional or physical harm on them. We may try to justify it by claiming, well, they've done those very things, same things to me, which really proves the point that our refusal to forgive those who have hurt us will only lead to bitterness that will cause us to become like the very people we despise. As a result, we only become more miserable. Indeed, bitterness leads to enslavement. But thankfully, forgiveness leads to freedom. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness that leads to rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. But that's much easier said than done, isn't it? In fact, it's impossible for us to get rid of bitterness on our own. We need to accept Christ's forgiveness of us first before we can ever forgive others. Paul goes on to say in the very next verse, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The scriptures clearly teach us that we were all enslaved to sin and enemies of God, justly deserving God's judgment of death and eternal separation from God for our sin against him. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. In order to accept that forgiveness, we must simply repent of our sins and by faith accept Christ's punishment for our sins by trusting him as our Lord and Savior. He then forgives us and frees us from the bondage to our sin to live a new life of trusting and obeying him. He also frees us to forgive those who have hurt us in the same way that we have received Christ's forgiveness for hurting him. In fact, to the degree that we appreciate Christ's forgiveness of us is the degree that we will be able to forgive others. Then we can trust God to deliver justice on those who hurt us as he chooses. That's what Joseph did when he asked his brothers, Am I in the place of God? He trusted God to bring about justice however he chooses. It freed him to simply forgive even when they intended evil because God is in control. We cannot experience that freedom until we are really ready to let go of our own bitterness and confess it to him. By my freshman year at Clemson, 
God opened my eyes to the misery of my sin that resulted from my bitterness. Up until that time, I had been blaming my stepmom and even Thornwell, the, the orphanage that I grew up in, for the way I was acting out in my sinful behavior, even though Thornwell had been nothing but gracious to me. But you see, that's what bitterness does. It causes us to project blame on others, particularly those in authority, whether they're guilty or not, if they deny us of whatever we demand. As friends shared with me that I needed to repent of my sin before I could receive the good news of Christ's forgiveness, God finally convicted me to take full ownership of my own sin, and I confessed it to the Lord. I stopped blaming my parents or anyone else and took full responsibility for my choices. Then I laid it all on Jesus and accepted his sacrifice on the cross to forgive me of all of my sins. He took it all away and set me free to live for him. At that point, I finally had Christ's power working in me to help me to begin to overcome the sinful attitudes and behaviors that had been enslaving me. Joseph experienced that same forgiveness after he was sold into slavery. It enabled him to experience God's presence and power to overcome sin in the worst of circumstances. Had he become bitter at his brothers for selling him into slavery, he would have grudgingly served his master Potiphar, and he would have looked for any opportunity to take advantage of Potiphar and to get what he thought he deserved. Instead, he trusted that God was with him even in the injustice of slavery, and he served his master as if he were working for the Lord. As a result, God caused him to prosper in whatever he put his hands to. Indeed, forgiveness frees us to serve God in the most unpleasant circumstances and to submit to God's appointed authority because, again, we know that he is in control. When Potiphar's wife threw herself at Joseph to get him to sleep with her, God's forgiveness gave him the power to resist that temptation even when he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. If we are bitter, we will only do what is in our best interest to the detriment of others. But forgiveness gives us that desire and power to honor others before ourselves, even when it appears to work against us, because we know that God has something better for us. Indeed, God did have something better in store for Joseph, After he persevered in faithfulness to the Lord for many years while being unjustly held in prison, God finally exalted him to second in charge over Egypt after interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. Now Joseph was in charge of all the storehouses of grain in Egypt. In a providential turn of events, his brothers were now suffering a famine in Canaan and needed to come to Egypt for food. 
They did not know that Joseph was now the one in charge of the storehouses, nor did they even recognize him. Joseph could have taken revenge on his family at that time and denied them food or even have killed or enslaved them. Yet he ultimately chose to forgive them, to feed them, and give them the best land in Egypt to settle with their families. His brothers were so astounded by his forgiveness that they still expected that he would get revenge on them when their father died. However, in one of the most beautiful expressions of forgiveness in all of Scripture, Joseph was able to look his brothers in the eyes and say, what you intended for evil, God intended for good, to save many lives. And, by the way, including the lives of his brothers who had so ruthlessly abused him. But that's exactly what Jesus did for us. When we were his enemies, sinning against him and causing pain to so many others, he died to forgive us our sins so that he could use us to bring life to so many others. So often we're unwilling to forgive those who hurt us until they repent or change. But that's not what Jesus did in his human nature. While he was still on the cross, he looked at those who were murdering him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That did not mean that their sins were forgiven by God before they repented and trusted Christ. But Jesus chose to forgive them in his human nature as man to man, regardless of whether they repented. He was not personally holding anything against them. His preemptive forgiveness of them, his personal forgiveness, set the stage for many of them to repent 50 days later at Pentecost when Peter confronted them by saying, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and repented of their sins and trusted Christ for forgiveness. You see, Jesus' personal forgiveness of them before they repented actually led many of them to true repentance and forgiveness by God later on. This kind of preemptive forgiveness has helped me deal with church conflicts for over 30 years of pastoral ministry. I know that when I was intending evil, God graciously intervened by forgiving me through Christ, enabling me to forgive those who hurt me, and give me a new purpose to help others experience Christ's forgiveness and to forgive others. When I surrendered my life to Christ in college, one of the first things that he enabled me to do was to forgive my dad and especially my stepmother for all of their abuse to me. God enabled me to forgive them, not because they repented or asked for it. They had not changed, but simply because Christ forgave me. 
and changed my heart toward them. As I began to pursue a renewed relationship with them and pray for them, God did an amazing work in my family. I began getting along a lot better with my stepmom. My dad eventually surrendered his life to Christ after much prayer, and God changed him in a dramatic way. I have seen God save so many of my family members and bring us so much closer together. God also redeemed me and you to influence the next generation. After asking Thornwell's forgiveness for my own sin, I began going back each summer to the orphanage in my college years to work and share Christ with abused kids who needed the same redemption that I had experienced. Some years later, after my wife and I had four biological children of our own, God led us to adopt our daughter, Angel, from the same orphanage that I grew up in. Angel had a very similar background as I had. Her mom died when she was six years old, and her dad had abused alcohol like mine had. God used my redemptive experiences to prepare us to help her. Angel also had a lot of anger and bitterness from an abusive situation in her family. Yet over time, she experienced Christ's forgiveness and the security of his and our love for her. And in time, God enabled her to overcome her anger issues as well. Angel has now grown into a lovely young lady who loves the Lord and is happily married. She and her husband, John, are now pursuing foster care to give new life to other children who come from abusive homes. That's God's redemption. I share that story with you not to highlight anything special about my family, but to demonstrate the power of the gospel to transform all of our lives so that we can influence others with that same gospel to transform many lives around us for generations to come. Just like Joseph, God has a special purpose for all the hurt, pain, and hardships that you have faced in your life to lead you to experience his redemption in a deeper way so that you can lead others to Christ by the way you model that forgiveness toward them. Forgiving others who hurt us even before they repent is a supernatural evidence of the gospel transforming our lives. And it is one of the most powerful tools God, <laughs> excuse me, God uses to bring others to repentance and faith in Christ. So I encourage all of us to take the initiative to forgive any who have hurt you, even before they repent, and trust God to bring about reconciliation in his timing. Let's pray toward that end. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would help us to so appreciate your forgiveness of us through Christ that we would in turn forgive those who have hurt us and Lord, that you would use that forgiveness to lead many to Christ and restore relationships 
all around us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.